Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Is it Claire's? Claire's? It's icing by Claire's, actually. Hello, and welcome to Crush the Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Kirsten Lyons, and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Aaron Raderstorff. There we for go. The last time this season. Oh. No, it's exciting. It is, but it's also sad. It is Guys, a little sad. This is our season finale. This is, I want to look up how many listens we've had. All right, I haven't seen this. I just pulled it up. This is our uh, 15th episode, uh, our series, series one finale. And when we've had, we've had 3,099 series no downloads. No way. That's insane, guys. We started this with like four listeners. I would say at the time of our first episode, we had 20, 22 followers on Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And, um, you know, we love to read reviews. So I'm going to read a review. Are you ready? You know, you can give five stars, review, whatever. They gave us one star. What did it say? Nothing. Are you kidding? We got a one-star review, <laughs> but we yes. don't know. We don't now know we why. haters. It's a real but here's podcast. the thing. This, do you know what I was thinking about this? Uh, it reminds me of when you'd ask a boy out and you'd be like, will you go out with me? Circle yes, no, maybe. They circled no, gave us the note back with no explanation. Just nope. Not today. Not ever. <laughs> Not today. We don't know if this person has actually listened to us. We don't know if they don't like us. We don't know if they were just randomly going down and just, I don't know. Are you the person that left us one star? If you are, please, we'd love to know why. We're not going to change anything, but we'd love to know why. Because you just want to know why. You're like, at least I can. I want to know why they circled no. All honesty, the two things that first came, I laughed. Because it took our it took our star rating down to a four point five four point five, uh, but you know what? Who wants a five? That's a lot to handle. I, I don't do. want that. Oh, yeah, I know we're all about like imperfection, but like I want a hundred percent. You want hundred percent. Anyway, but I actually am gonna read a review. Um, I already read this, but. I never actually used it. So I am going to read a review. This is a legit review. Well, that was a legit review too. Somebody doesn't like us. You know what I wish? I This is what I wish. I wish they would have given us one star. And then they wrote, I wish there was no stars like they do on Yelp. Like, why isn't there an option for no stars? My Starbucks store gets some hilarious Yelp reviews. Oh I've never gosh. been named in one though. And I really want to be named in one. Well, now, now guys. Go find where Aaron works at Starbucks nope, in LA. Don't do that. And Absolutely do. don't do that. Listen, we'd love if you gave us a review. Okay, unless you're the one-star person, then leave us alone. Go away. Never come back. Imagine if this one-star person is a regular listener and just really has formulated this opinion. Okay, so this was from Recovering Perfectionist 5, which, by the way, Love the name, both of us in recovery for perfectionism. This is great. This is great. All right. And they, by the way, gave us five stars. So thank you, Recovering Perfectionist Five. Um, it says, I can't say I've ever binged a podcast before until I found this podcast. I listened to three episodes in one day. I had a crush moment a couple years ago. And even though I've talked to other people who felt similarly to me in their lives, I never had the vocabulary to describe it. 
I also needed a reminder that crush moments are a shared human experience, even if your crush moment is different from someone else's. So thank you for these conversations. They're incredibly important. They are incredibly important. Important. So important. Nice. I'm not even going to edit that out because they're recovering perfectionists and so am I. So they That's are incredibly true. important. Experience the epitome has- of like why we started, well, why you started this and invited me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is like, it really is like, you know, it's a shared human experience, even if your crush moment is different from someone else's. So thank you for having these conversations. They're incredibly important. You know, we we're so grateful to you guys for listening and being part of our community. We love when you guys share, um, uh, you know, on Instagram, you share our podcast. I mean, that's honestly the the biggest gifts you could give us right now. Um, if you've loved this podcast or the, the biggest way you could help this podcast continue for a season two is um, three things. One, leave us a review. <laughs> Maybe that's not a star. But hey, if that's the way you feel, you got to be honest. We're all about honesty in this podcast. But maybe explain why you're circling no. Hey, any publicity, no, negative publicity is, I don't know. What's you're doing great. Aaron, what am I trying I, to say? Wait, negative attention is all attention. I'll, yeah, I'll go with that. It didn't sound as eloquent as I wanted, but. I think it's yeah. negative publicity is good publicity. Any publicity is good publicity. There that's go. what it is. Yeah. And that is why we have a sex tape coming up. Just kidding. I'm going to. Hey, Patreon. <laughs> the second way we are have a patreon it's going to be announced by the time you hear this you'll learn a little bit more about it um we're so excited we have so many fun things planned including like um zoom happy hours with us and um uh, bonus episodes and all that kind of stuff so we're really excited about that um and then the third way is to share share our podcast on instagram that know and love you how much you know and love this podcast if you do if you don't don't share it. Um, we keep it out of your mouth. <laughs> We're halfway through May. May is a huge month, made even bigger with some stuff that happened after we recorded with our guest, Katie Prejean McGrady, who is, oh my gosh, it was such an amazing episode. I'm in the middle of editing right now. And there's so much stuff. I'm like, she's such an amazing, I mean, she's a speaker. She has a so live. Speaks, yeah. Yeah. And she has a live radio show every day for two hours. She's incredible. But then what happened in the span of just a few days since we recorded it, um, I actually kind of, I want you to listen to the episode for those of you who don't know Katie, meet her, hear her story, hear her kind of May journey, if you will, um, and the, the, the hardship, the beauty, everything. And then we're going to have an outro. So we're going to do not just this little intro, but we're also going to do an outro. Um, and so we can kind of share a little bit more about uh, Katie and her and her family and kind of May. So May 17th, um, 20, 2009, May 17th, 2009, my ex, that's the beginning of the wedding being called off. That's when he said, if you've listened to our very special episode, that's when he said, I don't love you. I think I don't know. I don't know what love is. I cheated on you. Over the next two weeks, he called that wedding on and off multiple times. He actually called the first time he called it off. He called it off of her text message. Um, that was a few days later. Then he called it back on. Then he finally couldn't even tell me it was off. Somebody else told me. Then we finally talked. Those two weeks were horrific. I don't, I've never cried like that. I've never known pain like that. It was just, it was to someone, to have someone look you in the face and say, I don't want you. I don't choose you. I don't love you. With that being said, in the next two weeks, we celebrate um, my daughter's birthday, the girl who made me a mom. And we also celebrate my anniversary. And this year it's 10 years. 
it's incredible that the worst two weeks of my life are now filled with like two of the greatest memories of my life. And I'm, I'm going to cry. I'm in awe of the redemption, the, the, the pain of that and the beauty that came out of it, right? Beauty out of ashes or just, oh gosh, guys, it was manure. It was like the shittiest shit, shit, shit. And the flowers that grew out of it are just incredible. And they continue, the fruit that grew out of it is just continuing to bloom. And I just think about, you know, Bradley and I are better together than we were ever separately. Um, and we've, I hope we've done more for people and love people better and, and because we're together. And I am so grateful that I went through that horrible thing because we're here today. But I also want um, to say it bloomed because you watered it. You know, mm. you walked through it, you did the healing and it bloomed because you were willing to walk through it. Thank you. I was, and I made some really bad decisions along the way, but um, <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to heal my insecurities and not not doing the Henry Nowen, that's what we'll call it, doing the Henry Nowen, I was trying to, but thank you. I, I, I as Ashley would say, I received that. <laughs> Instead of trying to um, make excuses, I'm just going to say thank you. And Letitia in our previous episode talks about it is painful to heal. It is painful to heal, guys. I am not going to sugarcoat it, but I hope this podcast is allowing you to know that it's worth it. And we are here and we're right beside you. So I'm just so excited to celebrate the month of May. Um, it's such a big month in our family and just me personally, it's such a big month. So May, hi, May, Aaron. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Um, yeah. So wait, 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 I want to set something up because we talked a little bit about your, some of your crush moments, but one of the reasons that I had the idea to do this podcast is because when you've, and you've shared a little bit, your life fell apart about mm -hmm. a year ago. It just, it was a year ago, right? Yeah, I just, sorry, I just had a huge epiphany. Something that I always used to say, um, oh, now I'm going to cry just because you started it. It's not your fault. Uh, Get emotional. I need to take a second. No, ew. Um, <laughs> By the way, it's not you. Have you been to this podcast? You've been here um, for months now. <laughs> so in, let's say, 2010, really more 2011, uh, my life again, sort of fell apart, but in a, on a much bigger scale, like completely to the ground rubble. Hmm. And I felt like every time I was just trying to like rebuild, I used to say, it felt like my life was duct taped together. It felt like I was just kind of barely holding on, but I was pretending things were okay. And like one swift wind and it would have been no offense to duct tape, but, um, <laughs> It wouldn't have been good. And, and it always felt like that. It always just felt like I was just kind of barely, barely together. And um, duct tape people, please don't come after us. Yeah. Your product is good. It's fine. It's great. It's just not, you know, if you're trying to build a house, you're not going to build it with duct tape. Um, and that's what I was trying to do. And it wasn't working. And I refused to accept that it wasn't working. And I got a really extraordinary chance to kind of rebuild my life in 2016. And it really felt like I was actually doing the work. And I was like putting up, you know, solid beams and using bricks and it wasn't duct tape in it hmm. this 2020 when everything sort of fell apart again I felt like I still had such a strong foundation it didn't feel like it did last time it felt like I could you know and I had people around me who would help me sort of rebuild those walls and I guess in a really long twisted metaphor I'm just trying to say like it did but this time it felt manageable 
you know, it felt like I had a full backpack of tools to be able to get through it. And one of the hardest things for me was when my life was in that sort of duct tape together phase, I ran from a lot, you know, I, and, and I mean, geographically, I love a good geographical fix. I'll just move away. And the, the best part of that is when you are away, you can sort of build these temporary relationships that are only surface level. You don't have to get into the thick of it. And then when you say away, you mean away. I mean, Australia, away. New Zealand, like I spent yeah. a ton of summers just in LA across the coast from where I lived. I, yeah, away, away. Um, I, I love running. <laughs> this May marks, for one thing, the longest I've been in one place since 2012. Hmm. And that's hard for me, but it's been great. But it's more just like, May was usually the time in my life when I was done with college and I could go somewhere else. You know, the, the semester was over, I, I got to leave and I could look forward to that. And then it became, May was the time when my life started to wrap up so I could go to camp and camp was the thing I love. It is the thing I love most in the world. And so April, May started to roll around and I was just having this horrible anxiety because I was like, I need to go. Like, I'm supposed to be getting out of here. I'm, I'm putting down roots and I'm making connections with people and I'm gonna have to live in them. You know, I'm, you know, <laughs> and then I was just really missing it. And I was struggling with the fact that camp would be going on without me. And, and I was choosing not to go, you know, it was a, it was a definite choice. You know, if I went, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast. I wouldn't be able to get to work on the other podcasts. I love writing my writing down. I wouldn't get to, I wouldn't have healthcare. So there's that. <laughs> uh, Wait, say that again. Would, you kind of beeped out. Oh, I said, uh, I wouldn't have healthcare. So that's the really important part. <laughs> But I got a Facebook notification from one of my directors saying like, hey, enrollments are really up. We just need a couple of counselors for even just a week at a time. Uh, and it, I think I got that notification, if I think about it, five days after a year ago when I got mm -hmm. the email saying that they were canceling camp for the summer. And I mean, within six minutes, I sent an email and was like, I'm, I'm there. I'll be there for a week. You, you got it. And now I feel like I'm not running away, but I still get the chance to feel fulfilled by doing a job that I love. And I, I kind of get to say goodbye on my own terms. I get to go out the way I should have, you know, mm -hmm. that was a very long, uh, it was a great way of saying that it was, a, it's such a gift that I get to do that. I hope that as you listen to Katie, tell her story and you listen to us and then you listen to the outro. I just want to say outro a million times, but it's such a fun, great word. word. It is a fun word. I hope that you know that what we always say, you're not alone, guys. There's hope. Like, I can't promise you that your life is going to look the way that you want it to look, that your mash from 12 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 is going to be what it what you want. But I promise you there's beauty and there's what you need. It may not be what you want, but it's what you need. And it a lot of times that need is healing and that sucks. It really it sucks. It really sucks to know that you're a human person and it's a humbling experience to know that you don't have all your shit together. Um, but just know that we don't either, and we're right alongside you and we love you. And so I did a side-by-side -side of all three of them the other day. 
and I was like, my uterus is closed. No more babies that look like you. <gasps> oh my God. Like I just want one child at some point that looks like me. Is it Prejean? Yeah, you got it right. Good job. Excuse me, I took French from high school. Yeah, look at you. Okay, okay, okay. So Katie Prejean McGrady is an award-winning author and host of the Katie McGrady Show on Sirius XM. She writes and broadcasts from Lake Charles, Louisiana, where she lives with her husband, Tom, and daughters, Rose and Claire. Katie, thank you so much. Welcome to Crush the Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, okay, really quickly, the question we ask everyone, it's very important, in seek for Backstreet Boys, or oh. do you have a write-in? Uh, Backstreet Boys, a thousand percent. Kevin had my heart and Nick, I think I was going to marry at some point in my life. I see. So we're starting this off on a on a rough foot. I think it was because the Backstreet Boys, like I have a vivid memory of going to the mall with my mom and dad. There was a Dillard's, which is the only store still in our mall. Our mall has very much fallen by the wayside, like the rest of American malls, but the Dillard's is going strong. And I still go there for the deals in the kids section. Um, and the there was a like a promo that they did where if you bought makeup at the makeup counter, you won an entry to a like a raffle to get to meet them. So Whoa. I still don't really wear makeup, but I wanted to wear makeup <laughs> to be able to enter the raffle. Right. But I was more concerned about the fact and in fact, asked my father, well, what are they going to do with these gigantic posters of their faces that are at the door? And my dad, because Lake Charles is a very small town, knew the marketing manager at the Dillard's, called her up, and I ended up with a life-size poster of the Backstreet Boys in my room of their gigantic faces and had it in there most of middle school into high school. And I loved Kevin because he had facial hair, and I just I had a thing for guys with beards. Because my dad had always had a beard. I know this is going a whole different direction. Um, the one good thing about the pandemic was that my husband was finally able to grow facial hair and it was great. It did wonders for our marriage. But I had a life-size poster of the Backstreet Boys in my room for a solid three years. So it was, I think it was a combination of like, they were accessible yeah, as well yeah, as I liked their music. So I'm guessing you did not win to get to I didn't. That. No, no, no. And I bought like the, I, so I'm also a cheapskate. So that's probably why I don't wear makeup because makeup's an expensive, non-renewable resource in your life. You have to keep buying it once you start using it. So I just, I'm not going to use it. I don't have to buy it. <laughs> but so I bought like a lip gloss and I got like one entry for my $10 purchase. <laughs> well, yeah. also at that age, like lip gloss and like all of that should be pretty cheap. It should not be yeah. like. And this was yeah. the, this was the early 2000s. So it wasn't like, we weren't like in Sephora ultra Did territory. it have At glitter? Least, Did not it have in Lake glitter Charles. in it? Oh yeah. It was like a watermelon glitter. I was hot stuff for a <laughs> half a minute in the middle school world. Um, but it also, I have a sulfur allergy. So a lot of those things <laughs> always make me break out or like I get really anxious and paranoid that it's going to make me break it out. So I, I used it for like a week. So I thought you just said I have a sulfur allergy. It's so not that you no. put sulfur. <laughs> sulfur, like the, like the chemical oh, okay. in the, in the Tell world. Me more. <laughs> no. So no, no. when I was in sixth grade, I don't know how, but I got clear mascara. So I remember we were at my friend's birthday and we were walking. She lived in like the apartments that were kind of like across the street from a mini mall. So we were walking to her, like to go see, I think Fox and the Hound was like coming back to theaters and this was her birthday party. And I remember I had clear mascara and I just kept taking it out and like putting it on my eyelashes. My poor eyelashes were like goo. Like glued glue. to your face. Yes. Yeah. But every chance, like a lip gloss, except it was clear mascara. I just kept doing it over and over. And I think I came home and my mom was like, first of all, where did you get that? And second of all, 
what is wrong with your eyes? I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, They're perfect. They look beautiful. See, even as a 31 year old woman, I'm thinking to myself, what does clear mascara do? Like, does it just like puff they, up your, I don't eyes? know. That's what I, so once I got to middle school, I was allowed to wear cover girl blush, the pink, like it was like light mm-hmm. pink to medium pink to like, it was still very light. I was allowed to wear that. I was allowed to wear clear lip gloss and I was allowed to wear clear mascara. And then I saw a girl, Tina Bonatti. She was the coolest girl at my bus stop. And she had powder that was like thick on her lip. Ooh, you oh could yeah. see the powder. And I was like, obviously I got to start wearing powder that you could see on my lips. So I would like mm-hmm. be with the cover girl compact, like put it all. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think Isn't that lasted amazing? three days and I was like, that's so uncomfortable. I'm done. It is. Yeah. I just don't yeah. like how my face feels with a lot of makeup on it. Yeah. I don't either. That's a, why I like, thing. I like live and die by Glossier. Cause it's going to so say light. She started, yeah. okay, she started working. They had like a pop-up shop. She lives in LA now, but Aaron used to live in Atlanta and they had a pop-up shop for Glossier. And she was like, oh my gosh, guys, this is amazing. So my is sister got some, and then I'm now like, I'm like, okay. A convert. Yeah. And I don't I wear a ton of makeup. It. Is it an online thing? Yeah. You I... can only buy it online. Okay. Don't okay. worry. It's not an MLM. <laughs> it's not an, I was going to say, are you about to try to recruit? No, no, no. Into hey girl. beauty life? <laughs> no, honestly, I was such a fraud in that interview. I was like, I have zero business interviewing in a makeup company. They went to TJ Maxx and bought an eyeshadow palette to like try and do my makeup for this interview. And I think she saw right through me. And I was like, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm, I, I don't know a lot about makeup. And maybe I think that's why I'd be a great fit because I, I can help girls who feel intimidated by makeup. And she was like, well, we also have a skincare line. And I was like, I can do that. I can just do that. I wash my face all the time. Yeah, I do. That's great. <laughs> great stuff. I have really red eyelids. And if I don't put concealer on them, I just look, everybody's always like, are you okay? I have something wrong. Yeah. Eyelids. You can see all of my veins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So anyway, you're 12 years old. Would you yeah, have chosen? 12. <laughs> you're 12 with your, with your one pop and lip smacker, uh, watermelon sugar. Love so them, would you have chose you love who, wait, who said that? Harry Styles. You love. Oh, Aaron. Welcome. Aaron. Welcome Adore to the club. Him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, what he wore the other night to that award ceremony. I was like, Harry. Yes. Like, oh and most gosh. people probably wouldn't know about me that like, I'm super into celebrity. Like that's like my one vice in life is that, well, that, and I used to smoke. That was another vice, but mainly the, like, I will follow Harry style style until my dying day. <laughs> The shoes that he wore, the fact that they were like his own Gucci, just like sneakers when they had shoes ready for him to wear those like, oh, he's a, he's a king. I adore him. What a legend. I want to hang out with him. I want, I think he and Rose would get along to be quite honest. I think he would like playing with my kids. (laughs) Hi, can you come over and hang out with my children? I need a babysitter, Harry Styles. We'll play your music. (laughs) He's a great guy. He probably would. (laughs) He probably would. Um, Who were you going to marry? Oh, wait, Um, mansion. Wait, did we answer? Because we started talking about Harry Styles. You jumped to the good stuff. It was house. It was definitely house because even as a kid, I wanted to like live next door to my parents. And then who were you going to marry? Um, it was definitely Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. I okay. adored him. Yeah. I need to look up Kevin really quickly. I have no idea. He's the one that's fallen off the grid. He doesn't do anything. He's not really famous anymore. Does he do any of the reunion stuff or the cruises? Yeah, I think so. But like he hasn't gone on to have like a famous career. He doesn't want to have something on his else. own. What is Kevin. that? Well, oh, yeah, I, the soul patch was kind of weird. That was a That's phase of things. Soul patch. It's also like a triangular uh, chin beard. He yes. looks like a Disney villain in there. A little he bit. Definitely a little looks bit. like a Disney villain. A there. little bit. I always kind of held water for Jafar too. So maybe, <laughs> it was, maybe it was Jafar and Kevin in my head. I don't know. That's Sorry, exactly what it yeah. was. Yeah, definitely. Oh, 
Okay, so Jafar or Kevin. Jafar uh, or Kevin. And where did you want to live? Um, so I was obsessed with Washington, D.C. because we took a family vacation there. So I wanted a house next door to my parents married to Kevin in Washington, D.C. <laughs> totally doesn't. And was I wanted Kevin to be the president of the United were States. Were you going to have a political career or was Kevin? Oh, me. I was totally going to run for president. You were going to have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. okay. So Very none of this Kevin. made sense in like in a practical, nor should it have. And then what did you want to do? I wanted, so I did want a career in politics. And that was like something I think from a young age, like I would always watch the news with my dad. Okay. Um, I had a George Bush sticker on my locker in high school. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And like OG George Bush, not cool George Bush these days. Now I kind of regret a little bit of those political opinions that have deconstructed a bit from my, the my husband always calls me. Um, so, you know, in the West Wing, uh, when I was young, I was a young Republican. Like that is how yeah. my husband categorizes me. <laughs> I was obsessed with, I don't know, like political rhetoric. And I used to, this is so embarrassing, but we're going to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> no joke in middle school, my mom um, and I made little business cards that said Katie Brajan for president in 20, 2032 was going to be my year. That is um, so sweet. And she still has one. Like she still has one like on the mantle in her bedroom. My parents have a, the, the fireplace goes like into their room, into the living room. And it's like her pride and joy is that like, I had big dreams. Obviously now don't ever bring politics into, like I'll talk about politics stuff, but I want nothing to do with like running for office or like anything really in that world. Oh but yeah, I, I, I had big dreams in that regard. You're the second person on our podcast that had political dreams, yeah. wanted to live in DC. She wanted to live in a shack on stilts. Claire okay. <laughs> makes a lot of sense in on the water. <laughs> like in Bali, but in DC. Okay, so set the stage. Uh, currently, you're not living in DC. We, no, we learned no. you're living in Lake Charles and you're not married to Kevin or Jafar. No. But you do live in a house. I do, I do have a house. Yeah, like where you set the stage for like where you are now and how that like set the stage for your crush. Moment. Yeah, so I um went to a small Catholic college after I graduated high school. I went to Catholic schools and the Diocese of Lake Charles is a small diocese in a small town. We've got less than 70,000 people like in this metropolis area, which doesn't seem small. Like if you, you know, go to a tiny town in Nebraska, but it's, mm -hmm. it's small by the standards of a lot of the people that I work with in the industry that I'm in now. Um, went to a small Catholic college in Dallas, Texas, uh, the University of Dallas. And uh, after I graduated, went to Chicago for a year, hated it. Chicago was cold. I was in a very wealthy suburb of Chicago with good people, but like youth ministry was just not when they're when their thing. And it didn't matter how hard I worked. Uh, and so I eventually moved back to Lake Charles and started teaching at the high school that I'd gone to. And so that was kind of like the culmination of hometown girl comes back. So I started teaching there at 2012, in 2012. Okay. I met my now husband in 2014 online. Uh, he sent me a Facebook message and we started chatting back and forth. And then hubba, I hubba. Found, <laughs> each other, found each other the organic online way. Um, <laughs> Dated for 15 months long distance, he moved down to Lake Charles and took a job at that same high school. And so we were working together when we were engaged and then together for our first year of marriage uh, and got pregnant five months into marriage. And so I was pregnant. And in the final two years of my job at the school, and I was the freshman theology teacher. So the way the school was structured, mm -hmm. and I loved teaching theology. I wrote a book about it. I mean, I just, I enjoyed being in the classroom. I enjoyed spending time with 14 year olds. They have these uh, very, they have open heads. And so one of two things can happen. Like you can fill that head with good, true, beautiful things, or you know, their brain's going to fall out. One of, one of the two. Um, Tommy moves to Lake Charles in 2015. We get engaged. We get married in June of 2016. We're about to celebrate five years. Um, and we got pregnant in December of 2016. Uh, 
So newlyweds pregnant working. Newlyweds pregnant. And and some things had started happening at the school that we had both kind of been observing. Tommy from an outsider moving into town. I mean, Tommy's from Pennsylvania. So in the South, when when folks from out of town, especially when folks from the North come in and, and, you know, it was kind of like this, he, as the outsider, immediately observed, there's some backward stuff going on in this school. Um, you know, like there's a lack of accountability in a variety of different areas. And oh, by the way, my budget for campus ministry is missing like $10,000. And I like, we have no, no idea where this money has gone. Mm. And hey, this principal is kind of abusive. Like nobody's paying attention to this, but like the way he's treating people, the way he's like communicating, especially with female staffers, like there's just red flags, red flags. Mm-hmm. So we did what, you know, I think you're supposed to do in those kinds of situations. We alerted the higher ups. We wrote a letter in February of 2017 to the board of pastors who own the school, basically saying, here are 10 incidences of moments where we've, we can like identify wrong, bad behavior, gave it to the board of pastors in confidence um, because the other, and this was like a majorly backwards thing and still actually exists at the school. So it's kind of weird. The principal is in charge of hiring and firing completely. Like they own the sole power of hiring and firing people. So we wrote a letter basically saying, here's all these issues with this guy. And there's other people that can also identify issues. And like lots of teachers were talking about this behind the scenes, behind closed doors. I mean, it was a culture of toxicity in the school because everybody was really terrified of this guy. We just happened to be the ones that said, this is a problem. And like either address it or you're going to lose good people. Right. So we gave it to the board of pastors and confidence eventually this guy sees it because you know nothing really happens in confidence um and he didn't renew our contracts which is basically the equivalent of getting fired in a catholic school system where you're a year-to-year contract employee so tommy on a friday got called into the office i was traveling for an event i was flying to canada so i was literally out of the country when he got called into the office and told we're not renewing your contract next year we're going in a different direction that monday i got to school um, and taught the whole day, including Tommy's classes. I had to sub for them because, you know, he'd been fired. And then at the end of the day, they called me into the office and told me the same thing. We're going in a different direction. Uh, you can take either one lump sum payout of the rest of your contract, or we'll, you know, we'll pay you until your end of contract date, which is June the 30th. Um, and the kicker to all of it, while it was probably really good that we were getting out of this place, not like shoved out, but like this was a toxic work environment and this was a bad boss. And there was just a lot of horrible things that had happened. I was six months pregnant and we had just bought a house around the corner from the school. Oh my God. Having a baby and our health insurance would now be ending on June the 30th. And that baby was due in August. So it was just bad. Like it was just a bad, the lowest moment of my life was walking out of that school at three 30 on Monday, May the 7th and not knowing like, I mean, we had money in the bank, we could pay our mortgage, but you know, we weren't going to have health insurance by the time this baby came. And this wasn't just a, oh, it was a job. Like this was the school I had gone to, a school mm-hmm. I'd written a book about. Tommy proposed in the school building. Like we got engaged in the library. Like we took our engagement photos in the chapel. So like this was a home to us that had been ruined by this bad principle. We lose our jobs in early May. Um, he doesn't get his contract renewed end of May. And so we get a phone call from the diocese thinking, oh, well, they fired him because they know how bad he is. And like our letter must have helped, you know, like, like clearly they're going to write the wrong that has been done. We're going to get our jobs back. We'll be teaching next year. No big deal. The community rallied around us. There were lots of angry people. 
Um, at one point, they had to disconnect the phone lines in the office because so many families, both students and just community members were calling to say, like, what did you do to the McGrady's? Like, why did this happen? And so we get a phone call thinking they're going to give us our jobs back. Like this is that would right the wrong. And instead, we were called by who had been up to that point, a family friend, a priest uh, saying, we think you should drop this. We don't think you should should sue for your jobs back. We don't think you should file a grievance. Uh, we didn't owe you anything then. You're year-to-year contract employees. And for the good of our community and for the good of your soul, you should move on. So we're not friends with that guy anymore. Uh, oh my God. Like, it was just kind of like we kept getting kicked. Like It was like, hey, we're taking your job. Hey, you're, you're going to look really bad, even though the community is going to rally around you. We're going to act like nothing happened. Hey, you're not going to have health insurance. Oh, and hey, we think you should really move on from this. So after that phone call, I nearly left the church like I nearly just like denounced my Catholic faith because oh. you know, that's it's not a not a good not a good look. Not a good look, church. guys. Yeah. Um, and a couple days after that, I got a phone call from the superintendent of Catholic schools, a woman. And that's important to the story because I think women handle these moments much better than men. And she invited me to come to her office. She's like, I just want to talk. She let me just kind of unload about everything that had happened. She expressed to me that she had no control, even as the superintendent of Catholic schools, like the way that the charters of our schools were written, she couldn't reverse anything, but she could make sure that my health insurance stayed intact until the end of the calendar year. Um, And she said, you're pregnant, you're having a baby. We would be the least pro-life people in the world if we just took that away from you when you're about to welcome your first child into the world. So the least I can do. And she said that she was like, this is literally the bare minimum. We should be doing a lot more. And part of me wonders, like, were they just trying to to prevent us from suing? Because we totally could have made a case that he fired me because I was pregnant because that had happened in some of the abusive conversations before. Like, like he literally said at one point, like, you couldn't have timed this better because I was literally going to have the baby at the beginning of the next school year. So they would have had to find find a sub. Um, so she was kind of like a, a last minute hero in the story of, of stepping in, making sure that her health, which we had really good health insurance. We didn't get paid a ton. But we had really good health insurance through the school. That was one of the perks. So that was all in a matter of our first year of marriage. We got married in June of 2016. That guy, by the way, that fired us, deacon of our diocese, read at our wedding, like was at our wedding because we were friends with him up to the point where this abusive behavior had begun. It was just a rough first year of marriage that then got life just got so much better after that. Um, you know, what I thought was so fascinating about all of this, and I really want to get into kind of the growth and the healing mm-hmm. that came out of this, but it all happened in May. Yeah. Yep. And obviously we're in May mm-hmm. and it's not that long ago. It's yeah. four years, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my crush moment happened in May. My crush moment mm-hmm. were coming up, um, on the uh, 12 year like anniversary. And mm-hmm. what's so beautiful is the, the, the story that was written in both of our instances is the healing that came out of it and the new memories and the new dates and the new, mm-hmm. like all that. So I'd love to hear a little bit. Yeah. About yeah. like kind of what happened after all this. Cause I just, the gravity yeah. is so great. It's yeah. so, it's yeah. not just like, oh, I lost my job at kind of my dream place. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I lost my job while I was pregnant. Or like your husband, like both of you lost your job. It yeah, just, it all of it, yeah. It's so vindictive, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and so um, toxic. And, it's, and also, yeah. it's also like, what do you think first? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. think your first thought would be like, 
oh my God, my healthcare. But then you're like, oh my God, this place I love. And then you're like, in general, like my income, like there mm-hmm. were so it's many layers to this. You're like, what do I feel first? Yeah. yeah. Mm. It was, yeah. And like, in so thank God for therapy. Um, and thank <laughs> yeah, God for like having gone through so much, so many layers of that. The, I'll tell you the first thing I thought when I left the school building that day, um, I walked home. I, we walked to work because we lived two blocks away. Um, and I had to walk out of the front door of the building and past the car pickup line. And I taught freshmen, so most of them didn't drive. So it was like my students' parents walking past them. And they all knew what had just happened. Like nobody was unaware of what was going on in the community. And it was it was a sense of, I'm never walking back into that place and have never set foot in the building since. It got destroyed in the hurricanes. I'm not gonna say I was happy about that because destruction is bad, but I'm glad that that building is no more uh, because my last memory of that building is so bad. Really quickly, because this is very confusing to me. So yeah. they say your your contract is, when does the school year end? So the school, yeah. So that's the, I didn't really give that detail. So Tommy lost the job on May 4th. I lost the job on May 7th because we told people like, hey, we don't have jobs next year. If you know of anything education wise, like we didn't keep it secret because we weren't told to keep it secret. And that would have been wrong. Um, the principal decided that it was great for us to just go ahead and leave now. And they would find subs for our classroom because it was too tense to have us on campus because he knew what he did was wrong and he knew that people weren't on his side. So he just tried to scrub us from the record and kick us out. So we ended up getting like three extra weeks of summer, which there's a part to the story where that ended up being really good. Um, right. And like it was it was good that that happened. I missed my students. Though. Like I didn't get to say goodbye. I didn't get to yeah. go to the graduation of that group of students, which I had, you know, my seniors. I was I'd been there for five years. I taught every kid in the school like mm. I I knew them all. It was a deep sense of loss. Like that was really the first sense. And then it was shame because like, should we maybe have just like put our heads down and sucked it up? Like should have just let this guy do the things that he was doing and steal the money that he was stealing and say the things that he was saying. Like, should we have just, you know, shrugged our shoulders and looked away? You know, like has anything gotten better there? Some, but like, did we really end up making much of a difference even with him getting, it's, it's, it's all of it. It's all of it kind of swirling around. Within a couple of weeks though, Tommy had a new job uh, at a better school and has since expanded his career. Now he's teaching biology, which is what he went to school to do. And he's the department head and he's got his AP certification. And I got to, you know, I got to stay home with Rose, which was always a, a dream. But it was like, well, we can't make that work financially. Like, I need to have a job. I need to work. And then my speaking career just exploded. I mean, within a couple of days of losing my job, already invitations that had kind of been in the works, they they grew. Like, I, I got asked to keynote at a... um at a, the LA Congress for Youth, uh, mm-hmm. which is a 13,000 person crowd. I'd already, I'd done workshops there before, but now I was going to get to keynote. I got invited to go to the Vatican as a representative for the USCCB. And like, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to go had I been a teacher because that was, that would have been during the school year. So to take off 10 days in the school year, it just wouldn't have been feasible. So now I, now I could do that. Like now all we had to do was find childcare for Rose and I would get to go do this incredible thing. So there were distinct moments in, I mean, the immediate year of, like life has been better since like the best thing that could have ever happened to me was losing this job and was having that door slammed in our face. But it doesn't take away the fact that it really sucked at the moment. And that like, even, even when we get to May 4th or May 7th and it's like, man, life is so much better now. I can still live in those moments of that was awful. And I was crushed. And like, I can't believe this was, it was stolen from us. That's what it feels like. It was like this community and these people and this place and this job Mm -hmm. was taken no matter what comes in its place that is really good and valuable. And I, I love it. Something was still taken from me. And so like, I can still want what was while even loving where I am. 
So remember way back on episode two when we had the delightful Erica Campbell join us to chat about changing majors, pivoting life plans, but mostly let's be honest to talk about Josh Hartnett. Well, if you didn't already know, Erica isn't just a fan of Mr. Hartnett, but he's not British, I don't even know why I said that, but also of creating beauty with her lifestyle brand, Be A Heart. And right now we're partnering with them to offer you, our dear listeners, 10% off when you use the code CRUSHED10 at checkout. Be A Heart has everything from stationery to scrunchies to the sweetest Mary dolls that your kid could hide away in her backpack on the first day at her new school. Yes, my little second grader tucked hers away and at pickup let me know she didn't need to take Mary out, but she loved knowing she was there all day. I'm personally loving my journal aptly titled Let Go. It's beautiful and subtle illustration remind me each morning to take a breath as I process some stuff from my childhood I really need to let go. And you guys know how much I love to process my childhood. Oh, it can be exhausting. But you know what's not exhausting? Heading over to beaheart.com. Use the code CRUSHED10 at checkout. So every year when we arrive at May, Tommy and I are just always a little more gentle with each other. Um, we kind of give ourselves permission to to do the things that would help us both cope. So like during the month of May, I don't really cook a whole lot in May because uh, when we lost our jobs, it took a lot of therapy to realize this. I got really concerned about money, of course, because we're about to have a baby. So I declared and and like right after we lost our job, I was like, we will never eat out again. Like until we have solid jobs, we are not eating out. We are not blowing money on, on ordering food or like going out. And so I meal prepped like a crazy person while we had money in the bank thinking we have to meal prep everything now for when Rose is born because we might not have money in August because what if we don't have jobs then? And I like cooked myself out of liking to cook in the month of May to where really like in May, if I if I spend too much time in the kitchen, I get weird because it's like I'm back in that panic mode and that scarcity mindset of like I have to fill the freezer because I'm worried we're not going to have money when the baby comes. So in May, we just give ourselves permission to you know we're going to eat out a little bit more this month. Keep Katie out of the kitchen so she doesn't have that trigger. Um, That is so human. Like that is absolutely human like coping mechanism that I think people don't realize in terms yeah. of like when you go back to those weird little things you used to do when you were in survival mode. Yep. And it just it does it triggers that fight or flight even if it's years later. Yeah. Yeah, I can't drive down certain streets in town because it would put me past that school building. And like it's a lot of healing has happened since then. There's not even it's not even the same administration. Like the same people are not even there. But it still triggers in my brain bad, bad place, bad feelings, sense of shame, sense of of worthlessness, and then anger. It's it's, it's all of it that kind of piles up. And I want to speak to this because I think sometimes, and I've and I've been like this. I don't know if either of you have been like this. I've told myself I should be over it. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Yeah. Like yeah. you're stronger than this. And what a gift it was when I actually let myself be like, no, that's hard. Yeah. So, so my, mine all happened in May as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and my ex on, I believe it's May 17th, but on May 17th, he told me that he didn't love me anymore. And then, and I've shared this on my episode, but he didn't love me anymore. And eventually came out that he cheated that balcony that he told me Mm -hmm. is right before what's called Runyon Canyon. My very close friend lived like steps away and mm. so I had been staying with her while we were prepping for the wedding. And, and when he called it off, I was tying the bows on our wedding invitations. I mean, it was mm-hmm. horrible. I left LA and then I, and worked at a camp and then I came back and so much stuff had happened and healing was happening. But every day I would have to look for parking. I was staying at her place and I would literally look at the balcony mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was like bawling. I was like, I can't, 
stay here mm-hmm. anymore. So I ended mm-hmm. up going to live with another friend for a month who lived way down, like in Hollywood near this place called the Grove. But that gift of just saying, and I was very, I was baby steps away. I was only at mm-hmm. that point, like three months away, but that gift of saying, Kirsten, it's okay that you can't do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. It's okay to say this is I'm weak mm-hmm. or, or, yeah. And there's no shame in being weak. It's just, I'm hurt. I'm hurting yeah, right yeah. now. And like, I'm going to acknowledge that and, and be okay with that. Even to this day, I mean, I don't live in LA anymore. There are places in LA between him and also my career that, that it's yeah, just can't hard. Go. It's yeah. hard. I was sitting on the Metro in DC in April of 27, 2018. So a year, almost a year later, I was there for an event. My sister lives in DC, um, so somebody from the Prejean family ended up in DC uh, and my phone starts buzzing and it was Tommy and I'm like distracted. Claire's in her, Ro- not Claire, Claire didn't exist. Rose was in her <laughs> stroller. My mom and my sister are there. Like we'd all gone shopping and gone to the monuments and like we'd had a, a big day. My phone starts buzzing. It's Tommy. I'm on the Metro. So I don't answer. It keeps ringing like five times. I'm like, something's happened. And my, I'm a, I'm a doomsdayer and that like somebody's dead. Somebody died. Like he's call- he wouldn't call me five times unless somebody had died. So as soon as we get off the train and we're like walking through the metro station and trying to find an elevator to put Rose's stroller in, I call him back and he's sobbing on the other end. I was like, what's wrong? Like, what happened? Who died? Is everything okay? And he said, I saw him. I said, what? He said, I saw him. And he'd seen the principal at Lowe's. Uh, This man's very distinct looking. He's tall and he's bald. And we had not seen him since everything had gone down. Um, And like Tommy was there picking up some stuff to do a yard project while we were gone and he saw him and he was like, I was holding a two by four. It took everything in me to not walk over and start hitting the guy with the two by four. And I was like, no, come on, Tom, like take a breath. And he was like, no, like I had to put the wood down and leave the store completely. And he's like, I'm calling you from my car because I'm still. And I was like, well, you need to drive away. Like you don't want to see him in the parking lot. He's like, here, I walked past. We made eye contact. It's like, well, so what happened? He was like, I stared him down and he looked at me and like, you know shoved his eyes away and like shuffled past and and i i just like wanted him to see me like to know that like i'm still here and you're still here in this somewhat small town we are going to run each into each other at some point in the course of our lives Mm. it's only ever happened three times total but like he so he admitted on the phone to me right then he was like i need to find a therapist i was like yeah i've been telling you that for a few months now he's like okay but (laughs) I like I need to make a, a massive because he didn't realize how much he was still holding. And I'd been in therapy for a couple months at that point for postpartum stuff. And like I just I had I I had been talking to someone through my feelings. Mm-hmm. But the other day on my route to drive Rose, I had to I had to loop a different way. And Rose goes to school not far from that old high school. And in, in taking the loop, I ended up going down one of those streets and it like all came flooding back to me early May. Life is totally different now. I've got two little girls in the backseat. Rose will probably go to that high school someday if we stay in this town, if that's where we would send her because that's where all our friends from elementary and middle school are going to go because that's mm-hmm. just the nature of the schools here. So it's like, I'm going to have to work through a whole lot before then. Right. But yeah. Like you got some time. That, you got some yeah, time. we've got a lot of time, but like that weakness is... I mean, this is my faith that's going to come into it. It's like through our weakness, we can find strength in Christ. Like that's part of it, but you can't get to the strength part until you actually sit and swim in the weakness for a little while. And we don't like to admit that because it's uh, it's maybe we feel helpless. I'll speak in first person. I mean, I feel helpless in doing that, or maybe I worry that somebody's going to think less of me, but honestly, the only person thinking less of me is myself. Um, nobody else ever 
other than that one priest who called to say like just get over it every other person in our life like what can we do to help what can we do to make this better who can we call how can we okay this isn't going to be resolved in that way what can we do to help you pivot like there was nothing but compassion from others but yet i wasn't compassionate with myself in those moments or like give myself the grace that I needed. And I, I, I don't know if that's a, it's a shame thing that human beings carry. If that's a, a, a tough guy mentality that every single person has, because we want to throw up that exterior shell, but it really, it wasn't until in therapy where I was able to admit, yeah, I'm really angry and I'm really hurt by all of this that I was then able to kind of walk to the other side. That's the only way to find healing is to go through it, not to just try to jump over it. Were you angry at any of your coworkers for also not standing up and saying oh, yeah. what you all saw? <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, there was one particular coworker who, uh, a, a few months before all of this had gone down, a student had accused him of some stuff that I knew was patently false. Like I was in the room when the student said stuff had happened. And so like, I stuck up for him. I was in depositions. Like I was there constantly witnessing on behalf of this guy and clearing his name and clearing his reputation because the student was lying. Uh, and this kid had had a lot of issues and it's a whole nother story. So yeah, I mean, it's big. When you get crushed like that, you get it from a professional and a personal perspective because it wasn't just a loss of a job. It was a loss of a community. It was a loss of a life. It was a loss of a place that meant so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, life is better now. That's good. <laughs> you know, yeah. for um, the record. <laughs> I, would, I would love to hear because I feel like it's really exciting now what may, mm-hmm. what some surprises that may holds for you or like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, we went from no jobs to multiple job offers on the table for the both of us within like 30 days of it all happening. Um, and then from there, just kind of consistent, I'll say blessings, like moments of opportunity and surprise from the Lord, from both in my speaking career, um, a couple of days after I lost the job, I finalized the contract for my second book with Ave Maria Press, which has won awards and has gone on to have a couple of printings. And like, it was in process before the firing. And I, I remember calling the editor and being like, look, if you guys don't want it anymore, I understand. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a fired Catholic school teacher, even if people know that the story is what the story is, like, that right. might not look good for you guys. Right. Oh, no, Katie, we are committed to publishing you. We are committed to like, so like, that was that was a good uh, kind of solidifying. But every year when this this date comes around, Tommy and I will take a step, you know, we'll look at the previous year of our, of our careers. And so interestingly enough, like just last week, because of my job now with Sirius XM, I got a press pass to be at a presidential event, which is pretty cool to think that like on the day that I was fired four years ago, now I'm in the press pool with the president. I didn't get to ask a question because it was an open air event and there wasn't, you know, that really wasn't what it was designed for as we figured out pretty quickly, but it was still cool to be there. To get to be there and then to get to talk about it the next day on my radio show, which I get paid to talk to. I, th- I mean, I'm sure somebody's listening, but it kind of feels like I'm talking to nobody. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like like the fact that somebody's paying to listen to me talk now about those experiences or about like the experiences of even just like the mundane moments. There's definitely been a lot of um, that wasn't for you. Like the Lord, have y'all watched The yeah. Chosen? I know that's like a super cheesy um, no, you're, you're going to sell us on the chosen. We're going to sell you on MLM Glossier. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah. So I funny. feel like the chosen is the Catholic MLM. Everyone's like, <laughs> it is right now. Yeah. Have you heard of it? It's Have you funny watched it? It's not Have you the given guy, money? the guy who plays Jesus is Catholic, but everybody else, the rest of them aren't. Yeah. Dallas and Jenkins is, yeah, he's super evangelical. Yeah. Um, he's actually coming on my radio show this week and I'm excited oh. to talk to him and like hear a little bit about the story. But in the first episode, I'm not giving anything away here. Obviously Jesus arrives at the, in the <laughs> show the at some point about him. but Mary Magdalene 
plays I think why I love it so much is because they really show the stories of the women that were around Jesus and we don't get a lot of that Mary Magdalene is in a bar and she's going to grab a drink because you know she's been struggling with demons and like she's we know she's a possessed woman like we hear this story in scripture and she reaches for a drink and you know what she's about to do drink herself silly you know to the point of of doing things that she's going to regret when she wakes up and the first time you meet Jesus is he reaches over and he grabs her hand and he goes that's not for you and like, I kind of feel like the Lord consistently in our lives, like reaches over and says, nope, like, I know you think this is good. And I know you think this is for you, or maybe this was good at one point in your life, but this is actually where I want you. Um, it's, it's like that brick house in the city shirt, you know, if not, he is still good. Mm. Um, like, like this thing that I had, I thought I was going to teach at that school my entire life. My kids were going to go there. Like this was my career. I was going to be the department head someday and I'd still get to travel and I'd still go to write, but I would always be Katie Prejean in room 24 freshman theology teacher. And now it's like, that was a great way to start my career, but look at what other things that, that the Lord has given me since. It's not to say I enjoyed how I was fired. It's not to say that it was right, how it went down, but it is to say that like, there's a, there's a Catholic theology principle that I, I, if I could get a tattoo, it would be this. And I say if because I'm terrified of needles, so it won't ever happen. Uh, the Lord never permits an evil from which a greater good cannot be drawn. It's not to say that God allows the bad things to happen purely so that he can do something good later on and show off. It's to say that in God's permissive will, human beings F up all the time. And yet God can still draw, draw something good out of that. Um, you know, nature can go wild and two hurricanes can hit your hometown back to back and you have a new baby in between the two of them. Like that was 2020 for us in the middle of a global pandemic. You had to leave your home and yeah. go have the baby somewhere Yeah, yeah. evacuated the day after my daughter turned three, four weeks later, I have the baby, came home when she was two weeks old and then evacuated. So we came home on a Saturday, we evacuated on a Thursday. That hurricane then caused water damage. And so we were out of our house for an additional three weeks. Just chaos. God didn't say like, let's cause a storm, but like God doesn't stop the wind and the waves. He just keeps um, giving you content, doesn't he? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to have so many, so many books and so much radio content. Oh yeah. Uh, between that and like the three-year-old who is You're whip like, smart um, and hysterical. I'm a content creator. My creator yeah, yeah. is the creator. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. Yeah. And I sell makeup. Um <laughs> That I don't wear myself, but so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I hate that God has such a great sense of humor, but he does. Like, I think God kind of maniacally laughs sometimes. He's like, I can't wait till we can hang out in the bar in heaven and talk about this. And like, I can point out to you all of these awesome, wonderful things that I know, you know, have happened since this really bad thing that kind of snowballed into a better life. So I love that. And it's funny that that's not for you. So we, we've, started the episode one of the chosen multiple yeah, times yeah. and I've not finished it, but one day we will. Uh, and we're watching girls five Eva on Peacock. Is right it now, worth it? Guys. That's we just did Rutherford falls. So girls five Eva is my next girls. Five Eva is it's so good. Okay. And wonderful. And Sarah Brown. Okay. As a woman who is 40 and is going back into the business and is scared shitless, yeah. but also like really excited. Sarah Brallis is just, she's like, these are my wrinkles. This is my age. She's also incredibly talented and she's Sarah Brallis. I'm not comparing myself, but it was like, it, it is, but it's so funny. It is like 30, okay, rock, but even more trick. It's you're going to love it. Anyway, I just love the idea of this isn't for you. And yeah. I just, I, you know, that, that could be like the tagline of our podcast. Like, I feel yeah, like it's like, true. why isn't it that the life you like never likes you back? And then the next one is like the little podcast with big you. heartbreaks. And then this isn't for you. This like, isn't for you. Yeah. That you can have confidence and trusting mm -hmm. that there is something for you, but mm -hmm. I can't promise you it's going to be 
the dream that you had, you know? I mean, it's, it's basically kind of what we said, Kirsten, when we did our first episode was just like the whole God opens and closes doors. And it's mm-hmm. like, that wasn't your door. Mm-hmm. You know, that door was locked. Yeah. Cause it's not for you. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Full circle <laughs> moments. I never realized it until a couple of years ago when I was going through dates and I was like, oh my gosh, like during this horrible time where I was literally like heaving over a toilet, sobbing and like Mm -hmm. couldn't get out of bed. And like my sister threw, my sister, my mom threw me out of the house without a bra and threw a bra and was like, you have to leave and you're not allowed to come back until you go get wings with your your sister and your dad. I was very, very in a bad place. You're in a low, yeah. I was in a low, (laughs) but like, I see the goodness that has come out of that. And I, I see why I had, I personally had to go through that. I don't mm-hmm, know why mm-hmm. anybody else has to go through it, but I see why I had to go through that. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so grateful, but yeah. I am, but it will always be a, a source of pain. My therapist brought me through this recollection, essentially through like, why do you think the Lord chose a cross as opposed to like snapping his fingers and redeeming us that way, or like baking a cake uh, which it is kind of funny to think like would Jesus have baked a redemption cake and like everybody has to eat a <laughs> slice of it like that's a terrible example why this bloody gory awful symbol and is it maybe you know like nothing you ever go through will be as bad as that although I feel like that's kind of condescending to the pain that any person carries like that's not what the Lord is doing to be like haha like I win the suffering Olympics like that's not why Jesus chose a cross or like did Jesus choose a cross because he knows that that there's great symbolism in the idea of like carrying this heavy heavy burden and then like other people can help you like no Jesus doesn't just choose things because it's metaphorical or like it'll provide good artwork like why a cross um and it's it's because like it's it was the most vulnerable and humiliating way to die at that time. You know, like he wasn't buried and just stoned to death. Like it was, it was lifted high for all to see this moment of shame. I mean, we can, but like he would have been naked. He would have, he was completely abandoned. Can you imagine being naked in front of your mother dying and gasping for your breaths? And like, what, how does she feel in those moments? It's just the most human, raw, vulnerable moment. And so in our human, raw, vulnerable, shame-filled, puking over the toilet, walking past the parents of the students that you've taught for a year, and like now you don't even get to say goodbye to them, like these shame-filled moments, you're not alone in that. Like Jesus had the most shame-filled experience, the most vulnerable death. Um, And yet there's resurrection three days later. Our resurrections sometimes take a lot longer uh, and are not as simple as an angel being, ha-ha, he's not here. But like a lot of times, like it's... (laughs) it's there's still glory to be found and you can't get to that you can't arrive at that resurrection until you've been in that moment of vulnerability it's not to say you go looking for the crosses either but like knowing that like they've been what you're going through is not something that he would ever be unaware of because he's gone through it too and that doesn't mean your pain is less it just means that he understands it and is with you yeah is with you in that yeah i mean i think you know to wrap up our beautiful season and then we'll do (laughs) your quick questions. But like, you know, Aaron and my, our hope was always, I don't know if that was proper grammar, but go with it, people. Our hope was always that this podcast would lead you to the truth of that. You're not alone. Yeah. You're not like you have a community. Um, I know we do have some male listeners, but for the most part, this is female, but like you have a community of women here that are, that are, are going through it too, you know, Mm -hmm. and that are realizing there are things not for them or that realized that a year ago or 10 years ago, and just know that you're not alone. We're so excited about what we have coming up. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I hope that, 
you know, I was so excited to end on you because I think that there's so much hope and like redemption in your story and surprises, you know, I think that's something that's so fun too, or just like what the same week. What? Yeah. That's well, so cool. and there's this cool thing that happens too. I don't share the story a ton because my therapist's rule is like, you're allowed to talk about it because you've arrived at a place of healing. But like we, you know, her recommendation to me is always, you only talk about it when you're in a, in a safe place to talk about it. So like Instagram was a safe place to talk about it because I had this good news that was able to kind of buttress up against it. I'll talk about it with you guys because you'll understand it. I don't blast it on Facebook every other day. Like it's, right. you know, it's, a, it's still a very, it's a, it's a, it's a scar, but it's not a scar that I like to pick at or to poke at, you know? Um, Super smart. This yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just like, you like can't, like, you're not supposed to, yeah. You're not supposed to dig into a, yeah. a wound that's still healing, you know, yeah. like you can shed light upon it. But so I shared it the other day on Instagram, you know, with this, I got to be at a presidential event, like, haha, look at this providence in my life. And the messages not of just like how cool for you. It was the stories of other people who have lost their jobs while working for the church or who have like been screwed over by schools who have the same kind of policy of year to year contracts and the the solidarity of knowing that like this happens in a variety of ways, but it happens in the church. And so there's a lot of woundedness and, and hurtfulness from that perspective. Mm. That was really like I, I was just showing Tommy the I was scrolling. I was like, look at this person, look at this person. And finally realizing like, oh, my gosh, like that didn't just happen to me in this location thousands of miles away, but it happened to her, too. And then, you know, I didn't broadcast that on Instagram because those weren't other people. Those are other people's stories they are not my stories to tell. Uh, but one day I've often joked with my um, editor at Ave that I want to write a book, how to love the church when the church doesn't love you, because there's nothing but stories of that. And so like this podcast is sharing these moments of people being crushed. So many people can live in that, like, yeah, I've been wounded and I've been hurt um, and feeling a little less alone in the woundedness just means that somebody else is there helping you find those bandages that you need. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Thanks. That was beautifully said. <laughs> Aaron, you want to ask Katie some questions right before to. we go? Okay. If you could tell your 12-year-old self anything, whether it's related to your crush moment or not, what would you tell her? Oh, man. The cool girls aren't as cool as you think they are. Uh, <laughs> like I was obsessed with this one group of girls and always wanted to sit with them at lunch. And most of them have ended up living lives that like I wouldn't want to be around. Uh, so yeah, don't feel the need to go sit over there with those girls. Yeah. Okay. And our last question. Yeah. Uh, what was your, well, so now I kind of want to amend this question. I want to know what your crushed song was when you were really like going through it when you were 12, you were in middle school, but I also want to know kind of if there was a song that got you through that, that time in May. Okay. So anything from Backstreet Boys would have been my crushed song. I want it that away. I know that's not really like a breakup song, but that was my constant return. Oh yeah. You can feel it. So the the song that got us really through uh, the hard times of 2017 was It Is Well, um, that it's just a worship song. Mm-hmm. Oceans, I know that's a really super cheesy <laughs> song, but it's like that was there the song is. of the Steubenville summer. I heard it nonstop all summer at events and hated it at first and then like really started to kind of pray through it. Now I've like overplayed it and I don't listen to it anymore. But yeah, it was definitely anything off of that soundtrack from the back, not soundtrack, album. But I wanted that away. Like I I, I think I broke my CD because I played it so many times <laughs> in the house. Okay, really quick, Katie, where can we find you? At Katie Prejean on uh, Twitter and at Katie Prejean McGrady on Instagram. And then my show is two to four East every day on the Sirius XM 129. 
Awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. Hey guys, it's Kirsten and Aaron. We're back for the outro. You (laughs) know do that. You sound so, hey guys, it's Kirsten and Aaron. (laughs) I don't want to hear it, Aaron. I don't want to hear your sassiness right now. I'm tired. Hey guys, it's me. It's Kirsten. How you doing? Is that better? Oh my, I've never heard you do that voice in my life. There's a lot of voices. Aaron, I'm a professional actress. No, I believe that, but that one's new to me. That one's terrifying. Do you mean to talk like an Instagram influencer like this? That's hurtful to my community. <laughs> Sorry. Do you want me to be in a British accent? Can you do like Mary Poppins? Sure. Oh, Meg. Oh, practically perfect in every way. All right. So here's the thing. I'm going to talk about something rather serious. So I probably shouldn't be doing it. No, you shouldn't. But that's but I'm going to- so good. Oh, thank you. Do you know, one time I was a host at a restaurant and this woman used to come in. She used to come in like once a week, once every two weeks. And she was British and she would ask me to do my British accent all the time. She said, do it, do your accent. Was it Lisa Vanderpump? Wait, Lisa Vanderpump is British. Yes. Are you kidding? I don't watch the show. You're missing out. Anyway. Okay. So now that you guys... (laughs) Start over. <laughs> no, this is great. It's all great. Okay. Now that you guys have heard Katie's amazing story, you just, I, I she's amazing. Like there's no other way to put it. Like I, there was times where I, I saw Aaron watching her tell her story and Aaron was just like in, enthralled. I, you know, the other thing about her story, one, it, it just blew my mind, but I was also like, no, that kind of sounds like how real life happens, you know? Mm. And I, I've said it in this episode. I said it in Letitia's episode, and I'm pretty sure I said it in Christina's episode. I have this phrase I use where I say, that's so human. And mm. what I mean like that is like, that's not like a movie. You know, that's how a human person reacts. That's not mm. like how a character reacts. And for her to talk about like the bravery that it took to walk past those cars, mm. she said something to the effect of like, but I had to get home. You know, that's real life. You mm-hmm. sometimes, and you know, she's like, I don't know if it was bravery as much as it was like, that was my only way home, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we recorded this last week. She lives in, so she talks about living in like Charles. She talks about the hurricanes. We get into that a little bit. She has had a rough year. So nine months pregnant, they had to evacuate um, because of a hurricane delivering in a completely different area, coming back. They were back, I think for like a week. And then they had to leave again. There was another hurricane. They had, you know, water damage. They had to get new floors, a uh, new roof. Like it was just boom, boom, boom. And not only her, but the community. So uh, a couple days ago, there was horrible storms that hit Lake Charles. Her house has never flooded hurricanes. They had damage because of the roof, but it never has flooded. She had texted a group of friends and said, Hey guys, will you please pray? Rose's school is a temporary structure, her preschool. I think they're redoing the school or something. And there's a tornado watch, right? So, or whichever the one is that it's actually touched down, it's close. It's not just like, oh, it might happen. Now water is starting to seep into their playroom. She's home alone with the baby, her three-year-old. Her three-year-old is stuck at school by herself. Like, I, I mean, teachers are there, of course, but like, I just can't. The, there's no Wi-Fi, phones are down. Her husband is at his school stuck with students. At one point, I think they were all in a hallway because the tornado. It's just, you know, she's sending, she's sharing videos. She's sharing this. Aaron had texted me and said, hey, I feel terrible about Katie. Like, can we do something? Can we, can we set up a GoFundMe? And then found out somebody had already set up a GoFundMe. I follow Katie on Twitter and mm-hmm. uh, the 
you know, I've never seen a flood as it's happening. I've seen people show the aftermath yeah. where they go back in their homes and there's just like sitting water. The right. image of like part of her carpet, like wet and you see yes. this water start to seep under the door. It's terrifying. I've never seen anything like that. No. And it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. You're moving as much as you can. You don't and know what's like, going to happen. Is this it? Is it going right. to keep? And they didn't get flood insurance because the hurricanes, everything, everything, they're not in what's called, I think a flood zone or whatever. So they never got flood insurance. So now she's just like, she said, she said, Rose was rattled. Rose is her three years. Rose was rattled at bedtime. Kept asking if we have to leave. She remembers evacuation. And I hate that. I love my state and I love my home. I hate that climate change is causing more and more catastrophic, catastrophic events that destroy drainage and take out water absorbing trees then, that then cause flash flooding. Because they used to have huge trees in our backyard, but the hurricane took it out. So that's why they don't, it doesn't suck up as much moisture. I hate that we are ordering permanent sandbags to keep at our back door and along the foundation of our home. I hate that the neighborhood text is always y'all safe. I hate that it's every two to three months and some weather events take us out again. Cajuns are tough, but we are also tired. But she also said, I'm truly overwhelmed by the love and support of so many people, of so many of you. We're going to bed so tired, so sad for so many. Your kindness will not be soon forgotten and certainly be shared. She said this, and this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry because this is May for um, Katie. This is May for me. This is May for Aaron. And this is May for so many of us this past year and just in life. And maybe it's not May for you. Maybe it's October. Maybe it's January when something comes around and it just brings it all back. Maybe it's happening right now, but this is what Katie wrote. Here's what I know. God never permits an evil from which a greater good cannot be drawn. In the world, there's trouble. He conquered the world, even in the no and the not yet and the oh my, he is there. Faith suffices. He is enough. And shop bags are magical. <laughs> a really cute thing she put on Twitter. And we yes. can put this on our Instagram. Yeah. So I guess her daughter, Rose, had show and tell at school that day. Did you mm -hmm. hear about this? And brought with her, she has this little yes. bucket hat with a bunch of really silly pins on it. It's and a McDonald's. It has a McDonald's like, hat. They call it the fillet fish filet. Yes. <laughs> filet fish. Yeah. Um, pins and Katie tweeted something and she said, and she tweeted that morning that her daughter wanted to go to school with this hat, really silly hat. And then later that day, she said, I just remembered that hat has a Mary pin on it. As soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, ah, that's the mm. sweetest thing I've ever heard. And actually a, a nun was the one, cause that hat has traveled all over to these different people. And then it gets sent back. Like the sisterhood of the traveling pants is this, this is the uh, sisterhood <laughs> of the fish, bucket hat. <laughs> fish filet hat, the McDonald's hat. And this nun was like, I put it there. And, um, so I she said, nuns. I know we'll have one on here. I don't know when, but we'll have one. She said, we've been overwhelmed by love. When we saw the GoFundMe set up by Father Paul, we were floored by the immediate generosity of so many people. I've spoken to the Religious Sisters of Mercy who run our Catholic charities here, um, as well as local organization that directly aids folks who experience homelessness. We are sharing the funds raised. Catholic Charities of Southwest Louisiana provides direct food packages, rent and utilities assistance, direct supplies for cleanup, as well as aid to find grants. Vessel Project works directly directly with individuals who need money to find shelter, food, clothing, and other essentials. It is profound to see folks help. It's humbling to be on the receiving end. We are so grateful and thrilled we can hand money to these worthy folks who also are in a lot of need of help. So I'm texting with her yesterday and she said, I said, do you want to come on? I know she goes, I trust you to say it. We are, we're going through it. I go, I totally understand. She said, then she said, because of course, Saturday, we started buying a damn minivan. So that's now all delayed. I say this because first of all, she's funny. But I say this also because life isn't wrapped up in a beautiful bow and it won't be wrapped up in a beautiful bow until hopefully we die and we go to heaven. That's what I believe. 
But ultimately, like you just heard an amazing, beautiful story about the redemptiveness of life. And I believe of God. Yet in May, still heartbreak is happening. And what's incredible is that Katie allows it to happen. She sat there and was honest in her grief and her humility and her honesty that people know her and love her so much and her family they just gave, some people gave $5, you know, I saw on the thing, some people gave $5, some people gave $500, but it was the fact that people loved her and they gave. So then this morning she put up this, she said, the internet is a funny place sometimes and a good place. I met my husband on Facebook. Some of my dearest friends are people I've connected with on Instagram, who now I talk and text with daily. I'm one of them. <laughs> I visited folks from Twitter at their homes, met their kids. They've met mine. There's community to be found online. As I lied to did our Monday here and how scared I was and worried for our home, an online friend, Father Paul Hedman, created a GoFundMe for me and my family. While internet service was down and cell service spotty, people across social media began sharing the link. I had no idea what was happening. It raised thousands of dollars in a matter of 24 hours. Our names were on the GoFundMe, but as it became clear that the water in our home was receding, we knew this GoFundMe could become something much bigger than just help for us. The water was inconvenient, sure, but not catastrophic for us. Easy fixes. We can afford those fixes. Fans, dehumidifiers, some shop backing. Easy. We're blessed to have the means to do it ourselves. So after chatting with Father Paul and updating the donors, we are giving all the money from the GoFundMe to the Catholic Charities of Southwest Louisiana, the Religious Sisters of Mercy who took on water at their new convent here in town, and the Vessel Project with Dominique Darbone. As funds are released in the coming days, GoFundMe is kind of picky and slow in how they do this. We'll be delivering these checks so that the people here in Southwest Louisiana get necessary help through these amazing organizations. God is certainly creative. The internet can be used for good. And I think what I find so beautiful in that is the gift of every single person who's come on here and shared their story. Being honest and sharing your story not only is healing, but it can be healing for other people. And it might be thousands of dollars going to people who are experiencing homelessness, or it can be someone just not knowing that they're okay or that they matter. It could be a million different things, but I just am so grateful for Aaron. I'm so grateful for this podcast. And I'm so grateful for each and every person that came on here to share their story. Um, and I'm so grateful for you guys who share our podcast. And it's incredible. The people that have reached out to us to say someone shared this and this I really podcast. needed it. Yeah. Or, and then people who feel comfortable enough to share their personal crushed moments with us and say, this is how it really helped me. Yeah. Every so, time that happens, it blows my mind because I'm like, it, you know, when Kirsten and I are talking with each other, it sometimes feels like we're just talking with each other, you know, and, or we're listening to a guest. And then I remember there are hundreds of people out there listening and genuinely hundreds, which is so crazy to say, but there are hundreds of people out there really listening. And, and I have to remember, they are also in the room with us, you know? The most healing thing that this podcast has given me is that I think for so long, I felt so silenced in Los Angeles. It was like, no matter what I did, it was not good enough. I know that I'm good enough. And this podcast didn't give me that. What this podcast did was it reaffirmed, I have something to say, but that everybody else does too. And I don't need to prove anything or be better than anybody or win anything. I can just be me. And Aaron can just be Aaron and each of you can just be each of you. And because of that, we all have, we all have something to offer. 
And something in common. I want to leave with a quote. Um, I have to find it. So the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not rob the little violet of its scent nor the daisy of its simple charm. If every tiny flower wanted to be a rose, spring would lose its loveliness. And that's St. Therese. We've had so many different voices on this podcast and next season we'll have so many different voices from different parts of this country and even this world. And I just feel so grateful for everybody that's listening. And I hope you know that you don't need to be the rose because you just need to be who you are. Be the lily, be the violet, be the, um, what's my, what's my favorite one? I just forgot it. It's a May flower too. And it's my favorite flower. Let me ask Bradley Homer. Bradley. Yeah. What's my favorite flower again? Uh, peonies. Thank you. Oh yeah. Peonies. I love peonies and they really only come out in May and a little bit of June. So we love you guys. We can't wait for season two. Sign up for our Patreon. We're going to have some fun this summer. Anything else, Aaron? I don't know. Everything you said was so good. I don't have anything. Oh. I was prepared well, for most, well, most of what I said, I feel like was Katie's words, but. No, here we go. Honestly, like, I'm just really proud of us. I think we're creating the content that we wanted to and wished we had had forever ago. And it was, it's, I'm just so incredibly grateful that you invited me to be on this journey with you because I had no idea how much I needed it. I love what you just said. Because I've been trying to sell scripts for years to create contact content, the kind of content that I wanted to see when I was a kid and the kind of content that would have like helped lift me up, especially as like a teen in the early 20s. I love that you just said that. Thank you. I just thank feel, you. thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. We can't wait to see you. I know we've said it a million times. We can't sit, wait to see you on Patreon and we can't wait to see you for season two. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.